Today's episode is brought to you by our company, Nanochomp Marketing Strategy and Analytics. We help product and marketing teams solve problems and experience growth using data and approachable AI. Visit nanochomp.com to learn more. Today on Soundbites, we have Nancy DeUtilo. Nancy is a serial entrepreneur and a founder of YDM, which stands for Your Digital Marketer. She helps companies expand their marketing capabilities with content creation, digital marketing, web design, and strategy execution. Nancy wanted to be a writer, and she takes us through how one conversation with a teacher changed the entire trajectory of her life. She's still an amazing storyteller, just directed through a different medium. Nancy talks about growing up before the internet, the phases of marketing from pre-internet through post-internet and digital transformations, building her businesses, finding and managing resources as a solopreneur, and how AI is changing the world, just like the internet changed the world not so long ago. Here's Nancy's story. Hey everyone, thank you for joining this week's episode of Soundbites. Today we have a really great guest, Nancy DeUtilo. Nancy is founder of YDM, which stands for Your Digital Marketer, that helps companies expand their marketing capabilities, create content, create digital content strategies, web design, and execute those strategies. So thanks for joining us, Nancy. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, excited to have you here, and we're really excited to hear your story. So let's start with where it all started. Like, what got you into this path that cr- got you down to create YDM? Like, where was a starting point for you? Wow, it, um, it's a pretty zigzaggy path, to be honest with you. Um, you know, as a kid, I was you know super introverted but really creative. So um, I was an avid reader. You know, books were my friends, which was less pathetic than that sounds. And um, I always had stories running in my head. I was super curious about people. And so growing up, I thought, you know, I'm going to be a writer when I grow up because I really enjoy telling people stories and, and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, this is back in the early 90s when I was in high school and, you know, talking to people about, you know, degrees and, you know, college and all that. And so when I told them I was going to be a writer, you know, their immediate response was like, cool, like, what's going to be your real job? Like, how are you going to actually make money? So um, you know, I was a little confused and, and I happened to have a really great teacher who, uh, she was my typing teacher turned computer teacher, you know, cause they were like just bringing computers into schools at that time. And she said, you know, you really have a knack for this. You should maybe look into going, you know, into business, um, because this is the future. So, you know, based on that, you know, singular piece of advice, I went to, to school for business and was introduced to marketing, you know, as part of that program. And so I think my first class was like the psychology of the consumer or something like that. And it was so interesting because I love that, right? It talked about, you know, generational nuances and and things like that. So it was super, super interesting. And then once we got into the advertising part, um, I was like, okay, this is it, right? Writing, design, psychology of people. Like this is how I take my creativity and turn it into a big girl job. So, um, you know, I graduated with a business degree, minor in marketing, and, you know, it was pretty traditional after that, right? I started working for, uh, I like working for small companies because um, I felt like I made more of an impact. And I think that experience is what prepared me the most for what I do now, because, you know, small companies have no budget at all, (laughs) ever. You have to be, you know, strategically creative, but then also execute everything, right? Because you have a team of maybe one or two people. So I learned how to do everything as it was coming, you know, into play, all that technology, um, and I can execute on mass at scale, you know, lean, leanly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the solopreneur, which is what I'm doing now, was never really at the forefront of my mind. It kind of uh, evolved, right, as I did, because, um, you know, I got married, I had kids, and so I took some time out of this career, and then I wanted to get back in to marketing and I found it very difficult to try to get back in. Um, I managed to do it and it was with a phenomenal company, um, you know, small company, department of one, like all my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. but um, the salary was humbling to say mm-hmm. <laughs> the least. It was actually yeah. less than what I was making my first job out of school. So wow. I just kind of opened back up to my network and was like, hey, I'm back. If anyone needs help with anything, you know, let me know. And, uh, you know, I set my prices low, you know, to try to get um, business quickly. And it worked, you know, and I found that I loved it. Uh, people often say, you know, niche, niche down. I'm never doing that because the for me, the thrill is 
you know, working in different industries and, and figuring out the nuance of how to market to different audiences. I mean, that's just so, so interesting to me. So I kept doing the freelance on the side, kept, you know, doing that until I just, you know, took a chance on, on me and just went, went full on solopreneur. And that brought me here. It's been several years. So that's awesome. And I think like, (laughs) what's really interesting is you wanted to be a writer and you, when you met that one teacher that took that, that knowledge, took that creativity, took that energy, and then kind of focused the laser and said, Hey, you know, you can do that. But if you do it in this application, here are the doors that that can open for you. And that kind of changed the trajectory of where you were going to go. Right my whole life, right? Just that one, and it was very off the cuff, right? I don't even think she meant it to be such a life-changing thing. It's just crazy how life can be so serendipitous. So, you know, shout out to Mrs. Martell. Uh, you know, she, I don't even think she knows the impact that she's had. I, I should really reach out to her and try to find her and tell her that. But yeah, it was, it was just a, a great uh, opportunity that she presented to me. Lauren and I talk about this quite a bit. You know, we, we recognize that there are probably five words that strung together change more lives than anyone realizes at the time. And for us, it's a want to get something to eat, like, yeah. you know, you know, want to get some food, something like that. Like those words typically change somebody's lives in ways they would never, never imagine at the time. And it sounds like in your situation, it's like, have you considered business? Like, yeah. have you considered this? Like that one sentence completely altered the course of where you were going, which is interesting. So yeah. you went to, went to college, went into marketing and what was that experience like for you you mentioned you had you know typing classes computer classes computers just coming into school so the college experience was probably like right on the cusp of that uh millennial gen x transition right yes yes and and the internet uh was a thing when i graduated but not in high school right i think cern put it uh, when i graduated college um but not in high school so i think um I think CERN put it on the public domain in like 93 or something. I could be wrong, but around that time. So when I got out and started working, um, the internet was really new. And, um, you know, marketing, I'll, I'll talk about data since that's what you guys really specialize in. Like data is the lifeblood of marketing, obviously. And prior to, you know, the internet, it was very siloed and uh, and expensive, right? You had people that handled financial data, people that handled consumer mm-hmm. data, people were buying lists and and things like that. Um, so the this internet, once we figured out how to use it, right? Because I don't think people talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah. We used to have to research like macro to micro, right? Like the Dewey Decimal System encyclopedias, like you went to the broad and then narrowed it down, which you can imagine, you know, doing that in a search engine, you would just not get any of the results that you were looking for. So know it's interesting when I think back to my colleagues and like we're like this internet this world wide web it's crap you know like nobody's ever going to use this it's only good for chat so once we figured out um that you know it was extremely useful and we had all the data information that we could need at our fingertips for free um Mm -hmm. you know it changed the game completely and and for those first few years it was like the wild wild west right I mean we could get a website to rank in 10 minutes because Mm -hmm. first of all you didn't have as many people um, having websites and you had you know, the search engines didn't have very strict algorithms and uh, it was just unbelievable. And I, I would say maybe like four or five years in, like the paywall started to go up and people realized, oh, I can monetize my content and all of this wasn't free anymore. But for that small period of time, uh, it was it was just incredible. And in retrospect, looking back to how much, it didn't just change the way we did business or market, it changed how we do life, right? Like my kids just cannot fathom the fact that I did not grow up with the internet. And we're, we're seeing it happen now with AI, right? And so like I'm living through this amazing, life-changing, altering thing, not just for marketing and business, but for life, you know, with, with AI. And so it's, it's I have the foresight now um, because of, of what I lived through with the internet, but, but AI is going to change the way that we do life in ways that I don't sure. think we can even comprehend. You know, and from a marketing and data perspective, it's just, it's so, it's so exciting. So there's been lots of transitions, lots of challenges. Um, I feel really lucky to, to have had to learn all this stuff from the ground up. Interesting perspective. Even though I'm old, I've, I've got a lot in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you've been through a lot, which is interesting. And speaking of transitions, you mentioned sort of leaving the workforce, starting a family, then getting back into marketing you know what was you said that was a hard transition was it 
what made it really challenging to sort of get back in? Was it that like a lot of stuff had changed or like folks giving you a chance or, you know, what, what was that process like? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a combination of those two things. I mean, first it's never good to have a huge gap um, on your resume and two, you know, I was, I was afraid, you know, the lot had happened uh, in between that time that I left and came back. And so, you know, self-confidence was definitely part of it. Um, but marketing is like, it's in you, right? A marketer, like when I'm, I watch infomercials for fun, right. And I'm constantly like (laughs) looking at people and, you know, new generations, like this is all just genuinely interesting to me, like what makes people tick and, and, and all of that stuff. And so that never left, you know? And so I think when I would get an interview, you know, and actually be able to get in and talk to somebody, um, they could feel that they could see like, listen, maybe she needs to brush up on some things, but, but the passion's there, the talent's there, the skill is there. And I just kept at it. Like when, when I get something mm-hmm. in my head, I'm, I'm going to do it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think it was just a combination of having the gap and, uh, you know, coupled with my own, you know, insecurities <laughs> that I had to get through. So I was really lucky. I mean, the company I ended up getting back with was, was great. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful to them and fortunate for that link back into it because it led me here. And I think, um, we had Scott Tinkoff. He um, runs strategy at a company called Interior. And when we were talking about a very similar question, it's like, what's changed over that life cycle, right? Like, And he's like, you know, everything and nothing, right? At the end of the day, marketing is still taking a message, delivering a message to an audience. And the only thing that really changes is the medium in which you do it. And it's like, yeah, that's, I guess that's true. I guess at the yeah. end of the day, you're really working at making a message that's going to resonate with the end customer. What we have today that you might not have had, you know, years back is significantly faster cycles to know if something's working, yes. you know, w- mm-hmm. within a couple of hours versus like, Oh, well, this is a six month campaign. We'll see what it says. Yeah. Now it's like, Oh, let's run this for the weekend and see what we get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I say that all the time, like marketing, the fundamentals never, ever change, right? You've got your product or service and then the group of people that that product or service will service or will, will help. Right. And marketing is the bridge between those things. But so not only do the tools change right, with which you can reach said audience, but um, the the audience themselves change. Right. Generations mm-hmm. change. Right. What worked in the 90s, like when I was coming up, you know, like celebrities, whatever the celebrities were doing, the common people wanted to do. Right. And then in the <laughs> 2000s, you know, YouTube really started taking off. And so you had regular everyday people becoming influencers, you know, like doing their makeup and having these big followings. And so you had like the micro influencer, the macro influencer, all of those things, you know, and now today you've got Gen Z who's like, you know, uh, I want, don't talk to me. Don't, don't even have a celebrity try to sell me anything. You're completely unrelatable. Um, I want, you know, straight out of the shower, belly rolls, hanging out, the authentic communication and that's it. And I love that. Right. I love that. Um, because marketing itself has gone through a huge evolution, right? Like I came back in, and then, you know, in the mid 2000s, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm cut out for this, right? Because mm-hmm. being a marketer kind of was its own persona. You know, it got super flashy and, you know, the money and everybody was just like, you know, cursing flagrantly, which I, which I do on my personal time. But like, <laughs> you know, in marketing was like the edgy thing. And, and I'm like, what? I don't fit. But it's very, like, bro-tastic. And, you know, I say bro-inclusive of men and women. Um, because both both were doing it. I'm like, this is not, I can't be authentic as a marketer in this environment. But, um, you know, leave it to just people, right? The, the people that we do this, right? Marketing is for the people to just bring it back, right? Into, into just straight authenticity and wanting, you know, just the facts. I don't want anybody paid telling me that this product is good. I want to see it for myself. Um, and so it kind of came back into its own and I'm loving that right now. I'm absolutely loving um, the direction that that's going in. Raw, real, no flash. I'm trying to remember who said this. Maybe it was like Gary Vaynerchuk kind of thing. But I think he says that he's never romantic about the vehicle. Because of the the marketing fundamentals, you go where the attention is. You go where the people are. And if people, okay, let's say people move away from Facebook or like your audience moves away from Facebook. Okay, go to TikTok. When they move away from TikTok, go to the next thing. You can't be loyal and romantic about the channel. It's just, you know, understanding the marketing principles and then following and then following yes. folks there. Yeah. Serving um, people. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. Gary, like he changed the game, right? I think he actually started that whole trend because we we're like, who is mm. this guy 
tie and a beanie and converse yeah. and just you know f out of f whatever but it, but it was authentic right that was him mm-hmm. and so it, it resonated and I know I was like a moth to a flame like look at this guy is really making waves and he was really good I mean I don't know him he just has no idea who I am so I'm just fangirling at the moment but he really has a great <laughs> way of like looking at trends you know and seeing like this is yes. where the people are going so yeah, the vehicles are going to change all the time. They're going to change a hundred more times before I retire even, right? If I ever <laughs> do. But uh, yeah, you have to serve the people. Wherever they live is where you need to go. Exactly. And and something else that interested me about what you said, it's like, you know, people tell you to niche and like find, you know, do your one thing really well. But I would say like you can do so many things just because you started in that small business environment. I, I started at a small agency where we were doing 15 different things. And I feel like that really helped me as well. So I understand that. Um, what do you like doing the most? Because, you know, we've worked with you and, uh, you know, with clients and you've done a million different things, but you know, when you sit down at the end of the day and you have to do a task, like what's your favorite thing to do? Uh, I would say now I'm getting back a lot into one-to-one. There are a lot of people, mm-hmm. not just entrepreneurs, but um, you know, sales executives and managers who, who want to start developing their personal brand. And while they're phenomenal in the craft that they, they their discipline, they don't really know how to best communicate it, right? So it's not an authentic, right? I'm not making up stories for people or creating brands, um, but I'm, you know, taking their message and their story and, and you know, pulling it into, you know, palatable pieces that will resonate with an audience. And so I'm really loving that. And I know, um, you know, the whole thing, grow and scale and, you know, serve the masses, but I'm always been like more of a one-to-one um, kind of a, a service provider. I feel like you can be super successful. I'm more successful than I've ever been working that way. And so I think the development of people owning their brand, regardless of you know what positions they hold, is going to continue to grow. And I'm loving that because you know we're all we all do different things, but as humans, like you know we're we're very similar. You know, I mean, generations have nuances and things like that, but people are people, right? And in this yeah. whole age of like authenticity. Uh, that we're coming into and, and, and just as a collective, it's been, uh, it's been my honor, right. To, to take these stories and, and tell them, even though it's on a ghost basis, right. Because <laughs> people don't know who I am. I'm just talking on their behalf. So, so I would say that's one of the favorite things that I'm doing now. And I think like back to the Gary Vaynerchuk comments, he would call like personal brand is basically reputation with a megaphone, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and that's, and you don't where control you've been. it. It's what other people yeah. think of you, right? So you can try to control the narrative all you want, but yeah. it's, it's what everybody else thinks. So, you know, if you're not authentic, you're not going to be able to keep up a persona for very long. People will see right through that. So, yeah. so yeah. In data science, you call that mean reversion. Yeah. <laughs> you always revert back to the mean. You can come outside of it for a little while and you come back, but you'll, you'll settle back to the, the average or the mean. So you you create YDM, you start working with a lot of brands, you're creating their content. But when we've worked with you on projects, not only are you creating their content and you're copywriting for them, you're delivering complete marketing experiences, right? Like you've been, your team's been redesigning webpage, just reimagining everything that an end customer would touch. So walk us through that. Like how did that start scaling as you were releasing or launching YDM and growing it? You know, well, in the beginning, and I, I think, you know, this may be true for lots of, you know, solopreneurs or, or agency starters, or maybe it was just me, but you know, in the beginning, I just did everything, like whatever I could do, right. <laughs> whatever anybody would hire me to do. And I started seeing that, um, customers or my clients were, were getting very fragmented level services, right? Like they would be hired, they would hire, they'd need somebody to do, you know, copywriting. And so they would hire a copywriter and just get something for copyrighted, copywrote something for them. But, um, what they really needed was, was an end-to-end. What they really needed was somebody who understood that they didn't really know what they needed, right? So, you know, come to me and tell me what your end goal is, and then let me tell you how we can best get there from a marketing perspective. And so, and I honestly, to this day, I think that that's, that's the value in what I bring, right? Because I go head-to-head with big agencies that have huge staffs and, you know, big budgets that I don't have, but you know, you get me, right? And you get, and I do have 1099 employees that work with me, but we've also been working together collectively for longer than five years. So we all know each other well. We all have the same philosophy on how to work. And so, you know, it's it's individual for every client, like how to pull all those pieces together, like you were referencing. But um, 
yeah, the difference is I don't ask, I don't put it on the client to tell me what they need. I ask them what their goals are. Um, and then we, we put together the plan for them. And then, you know, not only do we strategically, you know, figure all that out, but then we execute, which I think is, is, is a super value add in today's industry, especially like with the Fiverr and Upwork, which I'm not phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I found amazing talent on there myself, but you need to have that spec written, right? Like in stone and delivered. And, and how would you know, right? If you're an engineer, you're an architect, you don't, you don't really know, right? So, so yeah. How do you deal with clients who, like you said something that stuck out to me where it's like you clients don't know what they need. Like that's really the crux of it. A lot of times. Um, how do you deal with clients who think they do know what they need? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as marketers and I, you guys can probably relate to this too. Like I think marketers one of the, are one of the professions where everybody thinks they know how to do it. Right. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> from the beginning, they're like, Oh, you know, my, my nephew can do that, you know, or Hey, especially with social media, right? Like everybody's got a nephew yes. who's really good at social media. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, I had a lot of experience dealing with that. And I think it, it's just communicating effectively, right? Because you never want to come mm. at the client. I would never say directly to a client, you don't know what you need, even though I'm on this recorded podcast saying that, <laughs> you know, it's more like, well, if this is your goal, this is what I think the best way is to get there. This is this is what I would do if it were me. And so, you know, often it's it's positioning and, and communicating and doing all the things that we know how to do really well to convince, you know, to persuade the client, like we persuade, you know, consumers, um, uh, to, to go down the right path. I mean, and, and sometimes, right. You just, you end up with so, stubborn clients, right. It happens, yeah. Uh, which is also a benefit, right. When you have your own business that you can say, okay, I think, you know, I'm probably not the best fit for you and, you know, maybe, you know, hand them off to, to someone who would be better for them or, yeah. you know, point them in a different direction that, that happens rarely, but, some, but it does happen. So yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, using the principles that we know how to do really well to, to persuade for, for the best end result, right. It's not even for us, right. It's just so that right. they can, and I think one way we've softened it for people is, um, you know, some some of it looks risky, especially like to your point. Some people think that they think they know what they need to do. They think they understand marketing. They've watched a couple of YouTube videos. Uh, they're really smart in their field, so they think they can. They're going to be smart in another field too. If there's a there's a term for that, I, I forgot what it is. But when you when you transfer your skill from one place, like oh, you're a good pilot, so you think you're also a good surgeon. You know, like those things are yeah. actually not the same. But what we work with is. You know, if you're if you're not sure about something, let's test it. We can test it quickly, right? And we can we can get an answer. We don't have to we don't have to guess if it's going to work or not. We can actually try it. And I think um, that's new for a lot of people. The really small test and iterate approach, and that really starts to empower end customers because then they're like, oh, well, we can. They start getting there. Oh, we can test that. We can test that. So you don't have to anymore. And that's how we've been helping um, get around that problem in our world. Because yeah. we saw the same thing, right? Like, you know, trying to get be a good shepherd, good steward for the client, but sometimes um, they have different ideas. So it's like, well, let's test this and see what's going to work most effectively. Yeah. And man, that's like within the last probably five years that that's been really, really cap- uh, a capability that you can actually do. Yeah. Where before the, that, it was tough. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's such a good point because if you can show a client data, like the numbers. Hey, this is working. Um, yeah, then you you've sold them completely. And that, like, with AI coming on, like, the data and testing and analytics, on you know, I mean, you're getting real time information, and not only real time but projections, right? That used sure. to take a long time and were super expensive. That you know, they're just kind of spitting out. So I mean, still, you know, refining and, and getting there. But yeah, that's gonna. I think it's gonna be a be a much easier sell because you're gonna have a lot of data. About, and, and, and much more success rates, right? In shorter periods of time because of that technology. So that's exciting. So through your marketing career, you've seen things move from like print and TV media and yeah. radio to the internet's born to social media, to mobile, so, to mobile media. So it's like 2007, the world kind of changed again when everything became web 2.0 and then you had a smartphone. So all this stuff changes yeah. again. And now you're seeing the genesis of generative AI all these things that people are talking about it nonstop now. <laughs> how are you leveraging that? How are you looking to leverage that? What does that look like for you? And how does that sound like opportunity in your world? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, there, I mean, I've lived through so many iterations of this that I see there's nothing but opportunity, right? Um, I mean, I've seen so many jobs 
you know, be created because of technology and then also become obsolete because of the same technology, <laughs> you know, throughout my career, like, you know, data entry was like the most important job. And now like, it doesn't even exist anymore. So, so I'm never scared. I was scared, like growing, like, you know, throughout my career, like, Oh, am I going to become obsolete? I'm not anymore. Even with, um, you know, the copywriting AI and all that stuff. And I, a lot of what I do is copy. Um, you know, I know that uh, there's always going to be the next thing um, that's going to be, you know, created from this thing that either replaces a job or changes the way that it works. Um, yeah. And, and, and I've never shied away from, from tech. Like when something new came out, I was interested in learning about it, right? As a marketer, I want to know how this works. And so, and I think it's important, you know, as you, in any profession, it probably is important to do this, but um, especially in marketing, you know, if you're worried, if you're hanging on to old ways, you're going to become obsolete. You're going to, you know, make yourself obsolete. So, so yeah, I'm diving headfirst into all this stuff and I'm not afraid to like break anything uh, <laughs> of my own. And just, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to take that next step. I mean, I remember, you know, creating websites early on in the nineties and two thousands. And the first time I was buying something online with my credit card and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to put my credit card number in this encrypted browser and never like putting together that I would pay with checks with everything. Right. That had like your full government name, address, banking institution, your <laughs> bank account number, like, and it's your signature on a piece, just on paper, like in the wild. Right. So, um, never put those two together. So I'm sure I'm going to have many more realizations of that <laughs> as we advance, like we used to do stuff so archaically. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about what's to come. I think my, my kids' futures and my, my grandchildren are going to live in a, in, in a whole different world that, that I can't wait to be part of, you know? So I don't ever want to be like, you know, I know when I was coming up, it was like the CEO couldn't like, you know, save something to a PDF. Gosh, yeah. And it was always easy. It was always like just save as and then check the PDF. There was no, it was never more complicated than that. So I don't ever want to be like that person <laughs> ever. So yeah, I'm just going to keep diving in and learn. Speaking of like jumping in head first and, and trying new things, you're, you run your own business. So you sort of wear every hat in an organization, what is it like being a solopreneur and being your, I, I don't know, like doing your own taxes and worrying about all the administrative stuff that nobody talks about um, when you run your own business? What was that like when you first started and how have you, how has that evolved over time as you've built up this business? Yeah. Well, uh, when I first started, I, I was, you know, the work I wasn't afraid of, but it was like the administrative stuff, like taxes. Like I, I like overpaid and screwed up everything in the beginning, um, you know, and you don't really have the bandwidth or budgets, right. To like hire that yeah. stuff out. So you really are doing it all. But um, you know, for me, you know, there's, there's a real freedom to having control over, you know, your future, right. How you earn money um, and, and, you know, how you make your mark in this world. Like nobody's telling me how to do that. Right. And I, that's important to me, right. I work with the people that I want to work with. I, you know, deliver messages for products and services that I feel are worthwhile, you know, and it's, it's, I'm incredibly grateful and, and blessed to have that opportunity, you know, and, and doing the personal branding work that I'm doing now with clients. I see all the time, people have 40 years in an organization and then get let go. You know, or they mm -hmm. invest their life savings into companies that they then are pushed out of, right? It's like catastrophic things that um, I think if we're taught more at a younger age, I mean, I know I didn't hear it growing up, you know, in the 80s, um, have some ownership and autonomy over your future that I didn't think it was possible, right? Even when I'm getting back into the workforce, I didn't think that, you know, I'm going to be a solopreneur, I'm going to own my own business. Like, it seems like this big, huge thing. Um, you know, I think that's changing. I know the message is changing with how I speak to my kids and all that, like have more autonomy over what you're doing because there is no safety net, right? Like, yes, you're going to work hard, but it's a different kind of work hard, right? Like if I put 12 hours in on a day on my business for my clients who might love, right. And I have these super strong bonds with it's, it's a big difference than, you know, working 12 hours for someone else. And, you know, perhaps dealing with managers. And I mean, I was very fortunate. I had, I had phenomenal uh, mentors and managers throughout my career, but that's not always the case. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, it, it went from being stressful to now, like I have somebody who does my taxes for me. It keeps me <laughs> legal compliant, paying as less as possible. And, you know, I can hire out, I have a VA who, who kind of helps, you know, is my 
whole life, you know, keeping myself together. But in the beginning, you just do it, right? I mean, and all of us have the capacity to do it because we do it anyway, right? Whether you're working for someone else or, or yourself, you know, you're doing all the things anyway. So, so yeah, that's a kind of a long-winded answer to that question. <laughs> no, it's really good though. And it's really important. And I think um, we've talked about this on our, our podcast before, but some people will think, oh, you know, starting your own business is really risky. And it is. And they'll say, you know, working for yourself is risky. There's all these other risks. But when you work for another company, all that risk is still there, but it's generally abstracted to you, right? Like you just you just don't see it because somebody else is managing, mitigating it and um, keeping you on task. Yeah. So it's not any, I don't know if it's any more risky. It's just um, you have more visibility into it and you can mitigate it more effectively. And yeah. I think that's difficult when you, you grow up in the 80s and 90s. It was, hey, you know, you're going to go work for Ford or you're going to work for GE and then you're yeah. going to stay there for 20 years and then you're going to get a gold watch. And then, yes, you know, and you're going to have. And, yeah. And like, you're yeah. just keep climbing that ladder and like, you know, especially for women, right? Like the 80s was like, oh, I can, you know, bring home the bacon and, you know, fry it up in a pan or whatever that commercial was. You, you were probably not even born in but, you know, it, and it was true, like, we, like, we, like, women were kind of coming up, um, but, like, it was within my lifetime that women, you know, were able to, like, have their own bank accounts, like, without their husbands or their dads signing off on that, so it really hasn't been that long, so it was, it was, yeah. in, especially in a corporate business environment, you know, I could have a director title, but if something needed to be copied, you know, it was passed down the line to me to do, um, and so, like, it was kind of, like, navigating that thing, too, so being on your own and, and, and not having to deal with that also, um, you know, was adv- advantageous for me, right? Because if, if you could do a good job and make people money, they don't really care, right? You just, and you're giving yourself the opportunity to do that. So when you, when you work for yourself, I think what stops people is um, if they don't have clients lined up on the side or if they don't have an income, right? That's the scary part is because when you're working for somebody, that paycheck's coming in, right? Bi-weekly, monthly, yeah. whatever. But when you start on your own, you know, that's what's scary. So for people who want to do that, you know, uh, go out on their own and have these skills because everybody does. Everybody has a skill. It doesn't have to be marketing or whatever, anything, right? Anything that you know how to do is valuable. Someone else wants to also learn how to do it or you'll benefit another person from bringing that into the world. Do it on the side uh, while you're still doing this other thing until you don't have to do that other thing anymore. I mean, that's pretty, pretty sage advice. It's been around for a really long time. How did you get your first clients and how do you get your new clients? Like what, what's changed over that? Like since you went down that path? Um, well, I mean, I've been doing it so long. I get, I get a lot of referrals now. My clients just kind of refer me to the next person. And so that's also another benefit that I don't think is talked about a lot. Um, I, I guess maybe it's not a good thing to say, Hey, I don't, I don't really have to advertise, <laughs> but it's true for like, I mean, I'm in a lot of circles, um, you know, being a solopreneur can be lonely, right? So it's important to, you know, have a, a network and a connection that you regularly reach, reach out to, or you can go a little loopy. Um, and we all kind of are in that same boat, right? If you are consistently delivering results and doing a good job for people, they're going to tell their friends, right? So, um, you know, and if you look at any of my social media, right, any of the things that I work very hard and do do well for other people, it's not there, right? Like, <laughs> the cobbler's children have no shoes, right? This is the very first podcast I've ever done, right? And I do this for people all the time. So, um, so yeah, in the beginning, um, you know, I, I, I charged a, an extremely fair rate and worked really, really hard to do great work for people and just continue to do that. And so it, it was just an evolution of, of of that. And so most of my work comes in through referrals. Sometimes I meet people at networking events or, or whatever and uh, meet them that way. But yeah, I, I don't really advertise anymore. I mean, occasionally I'm on LinkedIn when I have something I feel that's relevant to say. Um, yeah. I mean, part of my 2024 is breaking through that because it's been a, kind of a personal thing for me to not to be small personally, right? Like I can be really big when it comes to talent and hard work and all of those things because I prided myself on that. But uh, putting my face out there and, and talking about things and, you know, all of that is, is took me a long time, almost, you know, like 50 years to get to be like, Hey, you have important things to say. Maybe somebody wants to listen to you. <laughs> so you'll see more of me, um, you know, doing that for the sole benefit of, of providing value to other people in the future. Do you think that's been inspired by, by you building other people's personal brand? Yes. Because I've, I've, I am literally, you know, telling people, hey, you have a good story to tell. There are people who want to hear, you know, what you have to say. 
and I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, they're, they're probably for you too. I'm like, no, not me. Shh, you know, work on this client right now. So yeah, definitely. I think that I have something to say. And I think the way information, um, you know, is transmitted, we need a, a change there too, right? Because I'm, I'm going to do this work for as long as I can, right? Until I'm literally shoved off the cliff and can't do it anymore. But um, I think teaching people, and this is a, this is a, a, a very respectable um, business model that I have benefited from, right? Where people build a huge audience by providing lots of valuable content and then they release, you know, digital products and things like that. Mad respect. I buy them regularly. That's how I've helped to grow and stay relevant in this industry. But I think that there's also space for people to just share, right? To just collectively share what it is that you know how to do with other people and then have, you know, that back and forth. I think, you know, we need more community that's not focused on monetization necessarily and more just, you know, the sharing of, of, of talent and expertise. So that's like mm-hmm. another thing that I'm working on. I'm kind of going on a tangent, but, but yeah, I think, um, you know, people sharing their personal stories inspires other people to be more authentic and more real. And, you know, particularly with personal brands, you know, um, I, I know I'm kind of on a tangent, but I'm excited about, um, how that's working out with my clients, right? Because women who've gone through layoffs or, um, being pushed out of companies, like they want to talk about it right away. Like they want to get out there, talk about their message and, uh, find other people that resonate with it. But I'm finding the, the men that I work with don't, they don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't, I'm sensitive about talking about demographics that I don't belong to. So like Derek, jump in and be like, Hey, that's not, they don't speak for all men, please. Cause you're the only men. On the, on the, pattern on the, recognition is pattern recognition. So when, uh, yeah, what your observation is, push it out. Yeah. I mean, like they, they want to talk like, like they want to talk about what they're doing right now, or if they've overcome it like that, they'll, that'll be part of their personal brand, but they don't mm. want to say like, I'm on my face right now. I've given, you know, my entire life uh, to this, to this thing. And I, I'm like, what do I do now? And I'm, I'm trying to find, I, I think there are many people who are in that position who need a lighthouse right? Like be somebody, somebody's got to step up and be the lighthouse. And maybe there are people who are doing that and I just don't see them because I'm not in those spaces, but you know, the women are more comfortable and, and I don't know if it's because, you know, women are good at, I don't want to say good. Uh, women are familiar with publicly navigating uncomfortable emotions, right? Like shame, Being more vulnerable, security, right? Vulnerability. So, so, and maybe that's not so much the case. Maybe men don't have a safe space to do that. <clears throat> Um, but I, I see it in the more I see, like, especially as we move into authenticity, you know, there's, there is room for multiple lighthouses, um, on, for, for, for guys, you know, doing this mm. thing. So, you know, I mean, like Steve Jobs had a really great story, but it was a different story, right? Like he got pushed out, but then they ran the company into the ground and he went back and literally saved their asses. Right. So that's like a hero <laughs> story. So he was, you know, sharing that from the rooftops, but I think that in between spaces, we need, we need more of that. Because it gives people hope to say, hey, me too. And what can we do about it, right? We got six people online with PhDs and and a vast amount of experience. You all can get together and change the world, change how it's done. But you got to find each other to do that. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And in our pre-call, you had mentioned that was going to be a focus for you in 2024 is building that community, finding a way to create that space where you can have more people empowered and see how you can have people work together to amplify messages, amplify themselves and grow. And I think that's great without the uh, get on gum road and spend $75 a month for my course. And I'll give you all the secrets kind of clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then again, no shade because a lot of people, that's their business model. And I've benefited greatly from that. There are a lot of huge influencers on LinkedIn who have had a really great run of doing those things. But I think part of what I do for free now, right, is connecting people. You know, I've worked with this person doing their brand and and then I connect them together. And so I'm like, how do we do that en masse? And and I, I think there actually needs to be more than just me, right? So if anybody's like hearing this and they're excited about the idea, like let's let's put our heads together and <laughs> figure out how to do this, you know, um, and 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 just for the betterment of everyone. So so yeah, it's in its infancy. It's probably not going to be like launched out until after, definitely after the first of the year because we're so close to the end of this year. But yeah, I'm def- I'm going to do it. I, I just I'm refining. <laughs> That's exciting. I think we're gonna be we're gonna be really excited to see it, and I think. You know, the spaces are so full of grifters, people that sell courses, a lot of the times they're not practitioners, they haven't experienced it, they're collecting information, regurgitating it and trying to cash a check versus being passionate about 
the topic that they're talking through or what they're trying to coach through. Um, so when you have somebody who's differentiated in that space, it starts to attract a lot of positive talent and gives good impact. So we're really excited to see where that goes. So we touched on how you got into YDM or how you grew YDM. We talked through where you're going next, you know, what your what your next battle plan is, as is you're going into 2024. It's weird to say that that's coming up already. And so what else is really exciting you? What what are you looking at outside of, you know, your current projects outside of AI? What's got you really interested where you see that it could be there's opportunity here? Um, you know, this is, this is when like anyone's watching, they're probably going to click off because <laughs> um, I get, I, I, I am so interested in people and like generations. And I, I feel like, you know, we have like the, the latest iPhone, you know, the latest computer, the TV, even nature, right? Like plants, trees, animals, birds, they all evolve. Right. And they're, and they're viewed as an evolution and the next gen and better. And, and we don't always apply that same thought process to humans, right? Like the next generation, like, oh, those damn kids. It's like, no, no, they're the evolved version of us, right? And so, um, you know, I, I freaking love Gen Z. I think that, I think there's multiple, like there's two groups of it, like, <laughs> um, but I love, I love them, right? I think that they, they've got the, the compassion, the collective, the, the, all, all the things that they're most adapted to where we are right now in 2023. And then I have a daughter who's an alpha, and I'm loving that coming up too, because they, they, they're, they're going to be just literally changing the world. So, so I'm excited to see how all of that pans out. Um, it's always been something that's interesting to me. Like I'm, I'm Gen Xer, right? So we, we're, we're kind of, we're very, very small, like the smallest generation. And so obviously everybody talks about boomers. Everybody talks about millennials because they're such a huge group. And I remember being in, you know, corporate and, and millennials were coming in, millennial women, especially, right? And they were just the most badass ever right they would come in with just the confidence that I had to fake right for like 20 years right before they were just right out of school like this is what I know this is what I'm worth and uh you know I'm super super impressed with that so um so yeah I'm excited about that the, uncovering the nuances between how to communicate not even really how to market to right because that sounds grifty or whatever but um how to communicate like who who these new people are that are coming up and, and how they're going to change the world and how, how I'm going to help brands do that, right? Mark, be the marketing vehicle, like with their product or service marketing to this, this amazing group of, of new gens coming up. So yeah, that's the crazy thoughts in my mind. <laughs> and, and like why I love marketing so much. Uh, well, I love that because at the core, marketing is people. You can't have yeah. marketing without people and understand. I think you're, you said your first class was like the psychology of of marketing so maybe it was just that yeah it's all come full circle all about helping people right it's not i mean like and there is like there there, marketing has a kind of a sleazy side to it too obviously but um really the true the true ethos of marketing is is really to help people like you're you are connecting valuable products and services to the audience that they're going to benefit the most and i love that and there's so much like nuance that goes along with that like you know it's the psychology of the person and the world and how it, you know, what's happening in it and all of those things. And that's what's super, super interesting to me. Sure. We're all like pseudo-psychologists. <laughs> yeah. It, too. And when you put all the data, the data layer over it, you're, you're really clinical at that point. You yeah. know, you're, it's test iterate. It's, you know, what we do, we call hypothesis based problem solving. It's like literal scientific method applied to what we do all the time. Yeah. So covered a lot of ground, really, really great story. And we have two questions that we typically like to wrap up on. And the first one is, what advice would you give yourself if you're 18 years old or 25 years old? You can sit down, have dinner with yourself. What advice do you give that version of you? Mm. Yeah, like at 18 to 25. Gosh, I didn't even like her, right? At 18 to 25. I didn't know it, but like I was so um, worried about everyone's opinion. Like they're, they're like my brand, I guess, like how people perceive me, it was more important than, than who I really was. So I think, you know, um, well, A, I would tell her that everything that was important and valuable to her came, came to fruition. So like chill, like you don't have to be anxious every minute of your life, like it's all good. And, and just to kind of, you know, own this person that's on the inside that she's, you know, 
even if there are some people who might think that you're a weirdo, you'll find the people who, who don't or who are just weirdos like you too. And, and you'll have a much less tortured existence. Because I would say, and that's probably the case for many, right? The 20s were just like, ah, oh, you know, who am I? What do I want to do? And then like the evolution of that for the rest of your life. So yeah, I would just kind of, you know, take the edge off by letting her know like you, you're going to succeed in ways that you did, can't even imagine right now. And um, and yeah, just don't like be comfortable with who you are at your core. You're, you're, you're all good. Yeah. Oh, I think that's super relatable. And I, I appreciate the honesty because I think there are so many people who feel that way when they're growing up. They're like, God, like, especially people, like, I think you said like you, books were your friends. You were a bit of like, you know, weren't like a cheerleader, popular girl, and, and neither was I growing up. And I feel like when you grow up in a society that really values those things, it's hard to, it's hard when you, we don't fit that mold. So and interestingly, but, I was a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader. I was a co-captain of the cheerleader team. You were a co-captain of the weirdest thing because I was not cool, right? I went to my, my God, I have 30th reunion. I don't remember which reunion it was, but like nobody really even remembered me. And like, but I had like these popular things. So I was, I was a, kind of a sporty or whatever so I was good at it so I'd make the team but I was like the least coolest person on the team so there was like all of this I went to a really small high school too so that probably had a lot to do with it but um but yeah like yeah I was it was like the weird dichotomy you just said that but yeah so I had all oh, that's of, so interesting still nerd like I'd be at practice where all like the girls were like so much cooler than I was and, and like doing all the cool things and I didn't even know what the cool things were and I'm like reading a book and so so yeah it's quite the dichotomy <laughs> But I think it is really cool because you took the things that you really like to do and the things that you were good at and made it into a career. Yeah. And now it's like you kind of went like you, what do you say? You steered into it as Derek yeah. would say. Yeah. So oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think the last question we typically like to, to wrap up with is, you know, what are you listening to? What books are you reading? What podcasts or even music? What's what are you doing when you're not writing or designing websites or doing marketing strategy? I am. Well, you know, this is always, this is such a telling question, right? Cause you can learn so much about a people, but by, by a person, by asking like, what do you listen to and what do you read? So I'm going to be authentic and vulnerable with all of my weirdness, but um, yeah, fourth quarter, I always have a, a rule that I don't read anything educational. <laughs> mm, <that's laughs> it's, it's just because uh, it's the end of the year. You're like I'm tired. Right. So I just want to be entertained um, with my media outside of work. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Like I read all of his books. And so I think last year, maybe the year before he released fairy tale, which was, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of his, but it's kind of reminiscent of like desperation, which he released like a long time ago. Um, and then he released something the beginning, maybe it was September called Holly. Um, so I'm reading that book too, like just total fiction, kind of gorish, whatever. Um, in that genre, I love, I love that. So it was, it was funny, Derek, during our interview when, or pre, pre-interview for this, and it was always those questions like, if you could sit down with one person and have dinner, it's like the pressure of like saying the coolest thing ever, right? Because you want to come off as being like, like super cool. And I'm not, like I'm just a nerd. And I think I said, you know, uh, I'd want to sit down with Edgar Allan Poe and have dinner with him because uh, he's kind of dark. I love the way that he writes though. He's such an amazing poet, but like, is he a genius? Or is he a sociopath? Like, I kind of want to know. <laughs> like, maybe not even have dinner with him. Maybe just be a fly on the wall so that I could super observe, you know, with guards. So I didn't end up behind a wall somewhere. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reading, uh, you know, Stephen King. And I guess my, my my music is super eclectic because, again, I'm all about the words, right? So, um, like, Noah Khan is, like, coming up. He's being popular, but I've been following him forever, uh, you know, the six came out and I don't know if you've seen, if you're on TikTok, you've heard his music. Um, mm. but also like Taylor Swift, right. I'm, I'm going there. I'm like her oldest living fan. Um, first of all, my daughter's <laughs> so like, she's dead into Taylor Swift, but, um, you know, I think when she was coming up, like I was kind of too old to like pay attention, but mm. she has a, a way, she's a great writer, right. Taking complex emotions that all, we all can relate, at least women can relate to. Um, and then putting them into words, you're like, yeah, I totally felt like that that's exactly what that emotion felt like and so I love that I love having that with my daughter too because I know you know she's 12 but she's going to go through all of these things right and she has Taylor because she's not she don't listen to her mom right because you kind of get discounted like you're my mom of course you're going to say you know all these things but she has that role model now to say listen this girl thought she wasn't going to make it through this and she's Taylor freaking Swift right like look at what she's done with her life so I love that 
Um, and I, I think, I mean, it would be ridiculous to say that she's underrated with the amount <laughs> of, of popularity she has. But yeah, I don't think that people put enough emphasis on her writing ability. She can take, that's hard to do, to take complex. And when you're in it too, to actually like write about it to that degree is, is pretty, pretty cool. So, and then like, you know, I, mean, I came up in the 90s. Like I love 80s. Like that music's coming back too. Like uh, Tears for Fears. Like everybody wants to rule the world. Like that was like, I grew up on that song. But I love it. It's so poignant for today's time. And then like 90s R&B. I'm sure you guessed that. Right so much 80s yeah. music is getting remixed into like modern songs that a lot of kids don't even realize were 80s mm-hmm. songs, which yeah. is kind of fun to Yeah, like when Barbie came out and that song that, that Ken sang, like I want to push you around. Like there were so many people that were like, that's an actual song. And I'm like, oh, I'm old. <laughs> I remember opening, I'm on TikTok all the time just because I, I love learning about the generation that, you know, fuels that. And um, there was a girl who came on. She's like, back in the '90s, there was a a, a, a concert called Lilith Fair. And I'm like, oh my gosh! I was there. So yeah, you know, it's things just. It kind doesn't of- seem. It doesn't seem like Lilith Fair and like Lollapalooza were that we're long ago. We're thirty years ago, right? But yeah. Years. 36 Chambers, so like Wu Tang Clan's 36 Chambers album, um, last week turned 30, and I was like. Yeah. Yikes. That's, really? Like, that's, oh, I think 30 tough. years and I'm like 1970? Like I'm totally <laughs> still there. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just getting older with me. I refuse. I mean, I'm going to get older. I mean, the alternative sucks, right? So I don't want to not get older. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm going to enjoy that process. It's kind of fun being, you know, in this space. Because like, I, we're marketed to, but I'm going to speak for women. Like we're marketed to, like you know, you get a wrinkle and you're irrelevant, mm-hmm. you know. But then, like you get the wrinkles and you realize I'm so not irrelevant at all, you know. And right. anything, life is more interesting now than it than it ever was. And so, uh, so yeah, like you kind of lose the. And I think this is for men and women too. We're just like not allowed to talk about it, which I think will be the next evolution in like beauty marketing or whatever. Is to say like, hey, we don't need to be like virile and muscular and like perfect like we, we get to like eat the pasta and be interesting now like we've earned that right and that's mm-hmm. what's like attractive and you know all those things right it's not it's not the uh, things of the 20s and 30s so so yeah I'm on a tangent but yeah it's interesting no I think it I think it's true I think it's like really just striving for health it's not the aesthetics as you get older it's like oh I want to like be around because I finally like to your point, like like myself and I'm comfortable in my own skin. And now's the time where I get to like really enjoy this part of my life. So yeah, just be around for it. Be able to continue moving. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Functional for sure. Yeah. Well, on that empowering note, I think we're at a good <laughs> stopping point, which is really great. I think we had really good conversation. It was amazing hearing what got you into marketing, just a little, you know, one sentence that changed your entire life. Uh, watching you get to the point of building YDM, working with great clients, getting great outcomes. Uh, and we're really excited to see what you do next with your next project. So keep us involved in that because we have some brainstorming we think we should be able to do there. Yeah. Nancy, thank please. you so much for yes. joining us. Thank you for having thank me. You. This was so much fun. I'm going to obsess over the next like six years with every little thing. That I'm <laughs> I'm going to go my 18 to 25 year old self right now. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. In 2024, set a goal to do more of these, and um, then you'll have uh, more things to obsess about. Yeah. What did I say on this podcast? And we're honored to be the first. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nancy.